0: Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Circe Podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Circe campus, you can text the word Circe to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. Um, before we get into it this morning, uh, we're getting close to Christmas we're nearing Christmas time and I came across a really funny story this week. It's a story of two twin brothers and the parents had these these twin brothers and noticed there was there, there were these very sharp differences between the brothers. One of them was uh, a a big optimist, saw the good in everything. The other brother, extremely pessimistic, always looking for the negative. And the parents were concerned that they were so polar opposite, and they were at the extremes. And they went to a therapist and said, okay, how how do we, do we need to be concerned? Do we need to fix this? What's the solution here? And so therapist said, you know what, we can take an extreme approach and maybe that'll kind of uh, just ch- jolt them enough to kind of bring them back to the middle. And he said, coming up for Christmas, what I want you to do instead of getting them what they want for Christmas, I want you to give the pessimist a brand new bike. Like the, the, the thing that a, a, a boy, a young boy wants more than anything, give him a brand new bike. For that optimist, go the opposite direction, Get him a box of horse manure, And see what happens. Just see if if joy comes from one side and disappointment comes from the other. So Christmas Day comes around. The parents reluctantly did it. Christmas morning rolls around. The pessimist opens up his brand new bike and says, I'm probably going to break my leg on this thing. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Thank you for injury and pain that's going to be coming my way. The optimist opens his box full of horse manure, looks at it puzzled, kind of wiggles his nose a little bit, then gets excited jumps up, screams, run out the house, the whole while running out the house, screaming. I know where there's horse poop. There must be a pony somewhere. There must be. That has nothing to do with my message today. I just wanted to share it with you guys this morning. Go with me to Second Kings chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along on the screens in just a minute. Uh, Kevin is at our central campuses today. Uh, He's speaking at Conway GLR and doing that circuit. So uh, you get me again, two weeks in a row. Y'all are going to get used to me. And uh, Kevin's going to come speak, hopefully for candlelight. (laughs) And uh, those that have been the last couple of years kind of know that joke. Um, But y'all are going to, you're going to remember that what it's like to swim the deep, deep end of the pool. But uh, I want to go to 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. This is what it says. One day, the widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Verse 2. Now, this is Elisha saying, "What, What can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Verse 6, Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay off your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left over. I want to pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what you have in store for us today. God, I pray that these words are not my own, but they come straight from you, that I just don't get in the way. God, help us learn a little bit more about what your word has to say today, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let me give you a little context on the story this morning. Uh, This woman uh, that we we read about here, her husband has died, and they owed money to tax collectors. This was not uncommon, um, but in this situation, no husband equaled no income. And so since she could not be bringing any money in, she still has to pay this debt that is owed. Now, the legal system in Israel at this time would not allow her to declare bankruptcy. They couldn't do it. She would end up having to, if she couldn't pay the debt, she would literally have to give her sons as servants to her creditor as payment for the debts. So when she approached Elisha, she was completely out of options. When she approached Elisha and said, this is the situation I'm in, she was at the bottom of the barrel. It was literally going to take a miracle to save her sons from slavery. And so Elisha, on behalf of God, instructs her to do two things, okay? I'm going to go ahead and spoil, spoil the points for this message and give you the two things he asked her to do, and we're going to dive into them and dissect them a little bit as we go today. But he asked her to do two things. Number one, prepare, and number two, pour prepare jars, prepare things, and then I want you to pour it out. And these two simple actions that Elisha asks this woman to do are a reminder for us today. It's a reminder that you have an active role to play in your faith. Every one of us in this building, if we are followers of Jesus, if we believe in who Jesus is, we have a relationship with him, we have an active role to play. Not a passive role where we just, we've accepted it, now whatever happens, happens. No. We literally have an active role to play in our faith. Another way to say this can be found in James chapter 2, verse 26. A lot of you guys have heard it your whole life, but it goes, the end of it says, faith without works is dead. You, ha- you have to have both. You can't just have the faith. You can't just say, okay, God, I believe you to do it, and then step away but you also cannot earn things yourself. You, you, you cannot manifest. This widow could not manifest it. She had no power to make anything happen, no power to make change happen. She could believe all she wanted to, but if there was not the preparing and pouring, the miracle would not have happened. In the same way, she could have believed God to intervene, but she had to have a role to play in this. And if you don't believe me, you can look throughout scripture and find this time after time after time after time. Again, Abraham, take your son to the mountain. Moses, striking the water to see it part. David, go gather five stones. Jesus to the blind man, go and wash. Jesus to the, to the guards, roll the stone away so Lazarus can come back out. Time and time again, there is action involved in the miracle being happened. Action is required of us. So this morning what I want to do is I want to look at these two steps that the woman needed to do and how we can apply them to our own lives, okay? Okay. So the first one is to prepare. We must be prepared. The very first thing Elisha said to this woman was, prepare. I need you to gather things. I need you to gather jars. I need you to bring them to your house. I need you to get them in the right spot. In verse 3, he says, Borrow as many empty jars as you can find from your friends and your neighbors. In other words, how badly do you want this? You need a miracle, how badly do you need this miracle? Because, and this this stood out to me as I was preparing for this this week, the level to which you prepare will be the level to which you receive. This woman gathered as many jars as she could, and once all the jars she gathered was full, the miracle ended. Had she gathered 10 jars together, she would have 10 full jars of oil. Had she gathered a hundred, it would be a hundred, not a hundred and one, just magically appear in the corner. Oh, there's an extra jar full of oil. No, it was however many she brought is how many that were given to her. So this morning, what does it mean to be prepared? I'm going to give you kind of three, if you're a note taker and you like outlines, I'm your man today, okay? Under prepare, I got three sub points for you. What does it mean to be prepared? Number one, use what you have. Use what you have. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Now, everybody say nothing. Nothing is too insignificant for God to use. Nothing. Nothing. Bible is full of examples of this also. Small, insignificant things that God was able to use when when it didn't make sense that he used them. An axe head, a staff, a slingshot, a manger. Ever heard of it? Like, God loves using the insignificant, everyday, small things that we think are useless. He loves taking those things and doing something with it. Personally, this is kind of a God flex. Like, he's like, yeah, you don't think I can use that? Watch this. I'll bring the Savior of the world to that stable. Like, this is God saying, I I am worthy of praise. Watch this. God loves using insignificant things to do incredible things. The talent that you have that you think is useless, God wants to use it. Kevin talked about it during, during our vision message a few weeks ago, how, how we've, we've seen in our own church, people say, you know, here's my, it's $1. Oh gosh, this, I'm embarrassed. This is not enough. God uses it. Whatever it is, look inward at your life. If you're a note taker, write a note and say, look at myself, what, is it, what do I think is insignificant that God can use? Because I guarantee every one of us in this place have something that we view as insignificant that God wants to use. The talents you have that you think is useless, go gather them up. The passion that you have deep in your gut that you don't think the church would would ever be interested in, go gather it up. Go gather up the things in our lives that we think are useless. In verse 2, Elisha says, what do you have? And she says, nothing at all. And I think when I read this, this is how I read it. He says, well, what do you have in the house? And she goes, nothing at all. And I feel like Elisha just kind of stared at her for a minute, like, you sure about that? <laughs> kind of like you stare at your kids when they say, I cleaned my room. Did you really? <laughs> like, they just, just the kind of stare that says, are you sure? And she goes, I, I, I got a flask of oil. Is that okay? To her, this flask of oil was so small and insignificant, she didn't even think it was worth mentioning. Now, I looked into this. Many think that this was probably not cooking oil or anything like that. This was probably very small and used for like anointing. So this was like a ceremonial thing. So she's like, well, this this is not going to be enough to to sell, to make any money off of, or to do anything with. So it's insignificant. And then Elisha tells her, go, something amazing is about to happen. It turns out she was overlooking the very thing that God wanted to use for her miracle. She was overlooking it. Uh, John Collins asked me before service, he goes, What's your, who's your favorite Bible character? And I, I talked about David. David is a great example of this very point. Because when Samuel was out looking for the next king, God directed him to go to the house of Jesse. So Jesse, the dad, brings out all his sons. I think there may have been seven of them, brings them all out, strapping young men, people who can work the field, worthy of being a king. And Samuel goes, No. You you don't have who I'm looking for. Do you not have any other sons? He goes, well, David's back there somewhere tending to the sheep, but surely you don't want him. He's the scrawny runt of of the boys. And he ended up being king and one of the most influential people in Scripture. If you don't think God can use insignificant people, think again. God specializes in using the insignificant things. And we must remember that, A, God placed that thing in your life to begin with, and B, what God placed in you, nobody else can take from you. Nobody else. Want proof? Romans chapter 11, verse 29. For, the, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. So here's a question for you this morning. What are you overlooking in your life that God can use? I had you write that down earlier. What are you overlooking in your life that God can use. The second way we need to be prepared, we need to empty it out. We need to empty it out. Whatever you have, we need to empty out. When Elisha asks her to go and get every jar she can find, the word he uses in Hebrew uh, is the word for vessel, which is kale. Uh, It's simply, and I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, but it simply means something prepared. The vessels did not have to be perfect they didn't have to have the matching lids to the Tupperware jars, you know? Anybody ever, is anybody, raise your hand if you have a matching lid to your Tupperware, okay? Some of you, you overachievers, oh, so help me, okay. But they didn't have to match, the lids didn't have to match, they just had to be prepared. And an important part of preparing something is emptying out what was in it. I know my people, there were, there were more of you that did not raise your hand on that last question, which means in your fridge right now, you have leftovers from Thanksgiving, you have yet to empty out. And if you want to use that Tupperware, what do you have to do? you got to empty out the old mashed potatoes and and turkey and dressing to prepare for your Christmas cookies. Because it would be gross and weird to just put those Christmas cookies on top of that month-old gravy, right? So if we want to prepare something, we have to empty it out. In order for this woman to get the maximum amount of oil in these jars, the vessels needed to be empty. We pray for God to fill us, but he can only fill us so much because we have not emptied ourselves out yet. So we're asking God, God, please fill me. God, give me fresh vision, fresh wisdom. Would you fill me? But yet are we allowing God, are we emptying ourselves out, laying everything else to the side in order for God to fill us up to the level we need to? Let me give you an example. I'm going I'm to ask for some audience participation. Brody, I see you over there. Can you come here real quick? I need your help because I'm holding the mic in one hand, and I don't want to get things messy. Give it up for Brody Walker, everybody. This guy, this guy, come on. I just want you to hold that. I've got a jar here or a, a pitcher. It's full of rocks and water, okay? And watch what happens. This thing right now is full. Like, it is to the brim. It's kind of coming out the top a little bit. But watch what happens when I pour this water that has rocks in it, but I leave the rocks behind. Watch what happens. I hope nobody has to go to the bathroom right now. Okay, that's all the water gone. Look how full that water is. I don't even know if that's halfway full. See, this is what happens to us. We think we're full. We got everything we need. But when we get rid of the stuff that's in the way, the, what God really wants to give us doesn't even go halfway to where we need to go. Thank you, Brody. This is my point. God is saying, if you will empty yourself out, if you will get rid of all the extra stuff in there, then what I want to pour into you, man, I will fill it to the top. Some of you, when you go to Sonic, you will ask for your drink with no ice, just so you can get extra Coke Zero. But yet we don't want to do that when it comes to God. We're like, God, I want, to, I want to hold on to the ice in my cups. Even though I know you want to give me more, I'm not willing to get rid of this yet. God is saying, I, I, want, I want you to empty yourself. Now, if I'm, I'm this woman in the story, man, I am going through every crevice in my house. Dog bowls, I'm emptying them out. The, the Keurig that's got the water in it, get rid of that too. Like everything that can hold liquid, I am gathering together because my son's lives are on the line. I'm emptying everything. I'm going to my neighbor's house and they're saying, well, you can't take that. You want to bet I can't? I will take that from your hands to go take care of my kids. And I'm willing to empty everything out because what you have to fill it up with, God, is way more worth it. Jen Hatmaker has a great quote. She says, usually the things we think we need become the very things we need to break from. There are things that we have in our life, and I don't know what it is. For every person, it's going to be different. Maybe it's your Netflix account. Maybe it's relationships like we talked about last week. Maybe it's other addictions that you may have. Maybe it's mindsets. The list can go on and on, but there are things in our lives that we have that are inside the vessel that God wants to use, but sometimes we are so unwilling to get rid of them, even though what God wants to fill in our lives is so much more. John 3.30 says, he must become greater and I must become less. Everything I have, whatever is inside of me, God, take it away. Just fill it with more of you. So here's the question for this one. What is taking up space in your life that can be emptied out so that God can fully do what he wants to do in your life? What are the things? I would challenge you today, this week, sometime before the end of the year, like write out the things in your life that you can let go of. Let go of them. Third thing when it comes to being prepared is you have to be in the right position. You have to be in the right position. This widow uh, was asked by Elisha to gather the vessels, all the vessels she could find. Everybody say gather. I I love crowd participation, so thank you for helping me out today. I find it interesting that she was asked to bring them to her home. Like it wasn't take your flask and go to your neighbor's house and just start filling them. No, it was... Put those things in the right position. Go into your house, bring them to your house, and then close the door behind you. There were instructions. It's because the jars needed to be in the right position to receive, to receive what God wanted to do in them. I've used this story before, but there is a, a violinist named Joshua Bell. In 2007, the Washington Post did an experiment with him where they put him on a, in, a, in a subway vestibule or something like that just near the subway, as like a panhandler, just just somebody out there, just playing the violin with the case open, and just seeing how much money he would get. This famous violinist, and they did it in D.C., dressed him down, so he's like in in just kind of a t-shirt and a baseball cap. Over a thousand people walked by, seven people stopped to listen to him, and with the open violin case, he collected 32 bucks that day. When his tickets normally sell for $150 a piece in the best venues in the country. What was different? It's where he positioned himself. On a stage in front of uh, all the the accoutrements and the, the glory and splendor of a theater and everybody in black tie, he can sell his tickets for a lot more, but in a dirty subway tunnel, it's a lot less. Where you position yourself matters. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. If we want to be used by God, we got to be where God is. It's that simple. Zacchaeus climbed a tree to position himself to see God. The woman with an issue of blood pushed through a crowd to get to Jesus. There was even a donkey that was able to be used by Jesus to fulfill a prophecy. The donkey was in the right position to carry Jesus and fulfill God's plan. If a donkey can do it, I think we can to put ourselves in the right position. So after we've prepared these vessels, the next thing Elisha asked this woman to do, you've prepared the things, now I want you to pour. I want you to pour that little bit of oil that you thought was insignificant. I want you to take it. I want you to pour it out. And for this widow, this insignificant amount of oil was all she had. So this little bit that was left was of great value to her. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been broke before, but I remember when Lauren and I were first married, like we were broke, broke. <laughs> Maybe even broke, broke, broke. <laughs> you can add as many brokes as you want to on there. But we, we were just, it was it a was hard time. First getting married, I was in the middle of a job transition, and we had our first apartment trying to manage these extra expenses and extra amounts on our own. I mean, you, you guys know. If you've been married for a while, you, can, you know. And I remember we were, we were, I'm going to tell this story. I haven't told Lauren I was going to tell this story, but I'm going to tell the story now. Uh, we were so broke. We, like, we were using cardboard boxes as nightstands at one point. And we just kind of draped some cloths over them. That works. <laughs> and there was one time we, we went to go get groceries. And as a, as a newly married couple, going to the grocery store was a point of contention for us. I always joke, Lauren and I never, ever fight. The only times we've ever fought has centered around Walmart. <laughs> And so we went to the store, we got groceries, we spent a significant amount of money for us at the time, like $100, $150, something like that. And we went to the grocery store, we bought groceries, we brought them in there. And something happened, I don't even remember what happened, but we had a a glass jar of like blackberry jam and something, it slipped out of our hand or it got knocked off the shelf, but it it broke. It hit our, our tile floor and just shattered. It went everywhere. And Lauren, she's told this story recently. Like her face just went like from just total sad. Like it just broke her. She's like crying like, no, that was, that was so important. Like that's, that's like $5 right there. And she's on the floor just kind of scra- trying to pick through the glass to try to scavenge and save as much blackberry jelly as she could. And it makes us laugh now because well, thankfully, by the grace of God, we're not at that spot anymore. But I, I can understand where this widow is coming from. Where she's just got a little bit, and it's supposed to last her as long as it can, and and it's insignificant, and it doesn't matter. And now you're asking me to willingly just pour it out? Like into a big old jar, and you're saying it's going to fill up plus some. Like this was weighty on this woman. It was heavy. I would imagine that this is where a lot of us get stuck. We, we get prepared we feel good about it but that my, I bet she hesitated I bet she took took that that flask and went I don't know if I want to do this or not and I wonder how many of us when God asks us to do something we get right on the edge and go I don't know if I could do it that's a that's a big risk that's a big gamble but she did it and as much potential as that oil had the miracle didn't happen until it was tipped over and poured out. And we get stuck in this place, and I have to think it's because we, we, we rely too much on, our, on ourselves. We, we rely on us, and can I do this? Am I capable of doing this? Is, it doesn't make sense for me to do this, and we have to give up control and say, it doesn't make total sense, but God, I'm trusting You. And when we rely on us, we rely less on the source. I've got this lamp here. Some of you have been wondering, keys are already up, Craig. What are you doing with that lamp? Okay, let me explain. I have a lamp here, and the manufacturer of this lamp put time in crafting it using existing technologies. There's a light bulb in it. I hope. Yep, there's a light bulb. It was designed to illuminate, to provide light, maybe so you can read a book, Maybe so you can do something, just keep a light on it. Whatever it is. It was designed to create light. But without a source of power, this thing is useless. It does not fulfill its purpose. I I can flip the switch. Nothing happens because there's no power connected to it. But it's amazing what happens when you plug it into a power source, suddenly it starts to fulfill its purpose. Suddenly what was dim and dark and lifeless and had no purpose to it, now all that potential that was put into it in the manufacturing process and the creating and every every wire, every cord, every every screw, every every piece of of metal, all the painting of it, all of it starts to come together now that it's connected to the proper source. To this woman, the oil she had was powerless until it was poured out and connected to the right source. And not only when we start to plug it into the right source do we have the confidence to turn it on and use what is actually the potential in here, we have an unlimited supply. And then not even, not even that, watch this. Braxton, go ahead and hit, hit the lights real quick. See, with without... This light's dark for a second, but the minute we connect, we can light up the dark. What was dim and dark and lifeless, where you didn't know where you were going? Even the littlest bit, this is like a 15-watt bulb. This is not a very powerful bulb at all, but connected to the right source, it can light the pathway. You can go ahead and turn the lights back on, thank you for that. We have to be connected to the source. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. It's amazing. I love how scripture comes together sometimes. We ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. Like I said earlier, the the vessel doesn't matter. You may say, well, Craig, if I'm the vessel, well, this vessel's got some cracks in it. This vessel's been used a few times. It's got some, some, some film around the edges. It's, I'm pretty sure it's got some holes in it. Like it obviously cannot be used. Yeah, even more reason for God to use us because we are not trying to point to ourselves. The object is to say, God... This vessel is broken and beat up and used. But what comes out of it when it's connected to the right source? Whew, nobody's going to be thinking, I can do this, because they can all clearly see you are the one doing it. It's the reason Paul wrote this. Nobody would have looked at Paul and said, mm, Paul's got it all together. No, he was killing Christians. He was killing people. He was, he was, they were obviously going, this, is, this has to be God. This has to be God doing all of this. This is what I want to end with this this morning. There are people that don't know God, but they know you. There are people that do not know God, but they know you. There are people that you know that will never step foot in this church or any other church, but they know you. So the question I want to end with, I've been asking questions all morning long, and this is the question I want to really hit home. And then we're going to close our eye. We're going to worship in just a minute. The question becomes if they met you, would they want him? If they met you, are you a kind of vessel that can be used for God? If they met you and the actions that you do, what you do at work, what you do at school, what you do around your friends, if they met you, would they want God? So I want you to bow your heads all across the room this morning. We're about to worship together and close this thing out. But I want to leave us with with these these couple of questions. These questions are, are, what are you overlooking in your life? What are the things you need to empty out? If people who know you but don't know God just interacting with you, do, do they even want God? Can we be vessels that God can use? So this morning with, with all of our heads bowed, with nobody looking around right now, just focusing our attention on God for just a few minutes, I want us to just do this. As You're going to hear the worship team kind of rustling around for just a minute. That's okay. But I just want to be silent for just a few minutes, like 30 seconds max. Are we prepared? Are we prepared to be used by God? In the silence, ask ask yourself that question and seek God. Are, are we prepared to be used by God? The second question. If we are prepared, are we willing to pour it out? Are we willing? If the answer to either one of those questions is, no, I don't know, I'm not sure, then I want to challenge you during our worship time in just a few minutes I'm not going to, I'm going to pray in just a minute, but I'm not going to have you recite a prayer. But in this worship time, I want you to intentionally seek God, even if you're not singing along with the song, even if you're not looking at lyrics on a screen, I want you intentionally focusing your attention on God and saying, God, prepare me. Show me what it means to be prepared. Teach me how to prepare. I want to be used, but I need to prepare to the extent that I'm willing to be used. And Prepare me, God. And then teach me. Give me the strength, the courage. The wisdom, put people around me who will challenge me to pour it out. Not hold on to it, not keep it in a flask sitting on the corner, but pour it out and use it. So God, we thank you right now. Thank you for your presence we feel in this place. God, I pray you, you prepare us. Stir something up in our hearts right now, God. Let us not be stagnant. Let's not be okay with just Okay. Teach us what this looks like. Teach us what it means. Let us prepare boldly. Let's not just gather just a couple of jars that we have in a cupboard. God, let us knock on houses. Go to every house. Empty out the things in our lives, God, that that have no value. Empty out things in our life, God, that we can get rid of just because what you want to give us is more. It's worth more to us. It's more valuable. Teach us how to pour it out, God. Jesus name Amen you got to stand with me